Welcome to Healthcare 360. I'm your host, Scott Burgess. Join me in welcoming my guests as we'll discuss the ins and outs of the healthcare landscape and examine what is really happening inside big healthcare. Today's guest is Heather Wright, a holistic nutrition and metabolic analyst with an atypical approach to nutrition and overall personal wellness. Discover how Heather's team uses assessment technology to analyze metabolic health and how this revolutionary approach is proven to help people just like us achieve goals that were once only recognized by athletes. This is part one of a two-part conversation where we talk about the effects of shortcoming on metabolism and the eat-to-nourish mindset, and of course, we'll talk data. We will have an in-depth discussion of how tangible data is acquired and applied. I'm glad you're here to join Heather and I for part one of this in-depth conversation only on Healthcare 360. All right. Uh, when you're ready, let me know. Yeah. Ready to go? Sure. Cool. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare 360. I'm your host, Scott Burgess. In front of me, I'm trying to categorize you uh, because you're, in Boston terms, wicked smart. <laughs> <laughs> Thank so, you. I'm really, really just, I was thrilled. I, I was really happy to get the chance to meet you last week. And I'm also really excited about your atypical approach to nutrition. As we go through our conversation, we'll talk about what nutrition means to me. I know what nutrition is going to mean to you to a certain degree, and we're going to go through all that. But really, this topic, I think, and I know for the most part, is going to have a direct impact on the people who want to listen to this podcast, um, because it, it's the foundation of everything that, it's our fuel system, yes, and it's our oil system, mm-hmm. just, just in, in relevance to your car, right? So without further ado, Heather Wright. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Really, thank you for coming over. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, Heather is has a local business, Live Lean, and she's about, by GPS standards, I would say nine minutes away. <laughs> yeah, very close. <laughs> about three and a half miles away. So it was it's really convenient to have someone of your expertise here uh, and someone, again, who's doing something very uh, atypical to the typical healthcare meet a nutritionist or meet a registered dietitian. Uh, I know in my research that I've listened or read about you, uh, you have been engaged in nutrition and science from an early age. Yes. And I'll kind of let you go through all that. But so you've you've had an astute mind to science for quite a long time. Right. Uh, so when you walk us through that a little bit and kind of what kept you in science, mathematics, in healthcare all along? I find it uh, challenging. I'm one of those those people who needs to be challenged in order to kind of enjoy my work. I'm not really a, a mundane kind of person. From a very early age, you know, I, I was, you know, in, in accelerated uh, curriculums mm-hmm. um, to the point to where I dual enrolled in college the end of my eighth grade year, beginning of my freshman summer in high school. So I spent most of my upper academic career in high school on a college campus. And I was maybe only on campus in high school for one to two hours to do sports and things. So I, you know, and and during that time I took, you know, zoology, upper level AMP, you know, the medical sciences and things like that, Mm -hmm. mathematics, calculus. Um, I just needed the challenge even in a much younger phase of my life, uh, elementary, four years old, I would kind of not really cause trouble, but be a little disruptive because I was bored. Yeah. And you're a real breaker, I can tell. Based yeah. on that. My, my youngest daughter, Allie, is just like that. Really? Very logical, very, very smart. 
she gets bored. Yeah. And if she's not engaged or she's not doing something that's a little bit different. Right. She'll find herself spiraling out. Yeah. And yeah. my mother is a lot to blame for that, you know, not, not in a negative blame sense, but she is a scientist <laughs> and she kind of took me with her um, because I was still very young when she was finishing her master's. Mm-hmm. Um, and biology and environmental sciences. So she would take me to class with her and I would be exposed to literally everything. What age was that? Oh boy. Probably seven to, well, no, actually probably much younger than that. Four, four to eight. It was a norm for you then. This yes, is something that I don't you, know anything different. You know anything different, right? I don't. Yeah. I, I'm just so used to higher level stimulus that when anything is kind of like subpar to it, I'm like, yeah. Why? <laughs> but you know, what do you mean? Yeah, what what does that what does right. that mean? You know, grasping novel concepts can be challenging for me when I'm just like, okay, it's black white. I'm usually black white shades of gray kind yeah. of girl. Well, last week when we spoke, I remember you kind of gave me that precursor, like the simplest things, um, and yet scratching your head over a little bit. Yeah. So I get it. I get it for sure. Yeah, I, I can understand it. But I'm, I, in my head, I'm just kind of like, well, what's what's the reason? Why is it so simple? Why is it, you know, this, you know, kind of like what I was talking, telling you about with algebra? Yeah, right. You know, it, it's, it just wasn't my thing. Because it was simple. Walk me through mm-hmm. walk us through. Again, you have an atypical approach to Well, let me back us up for a second. You've been high, highly exposed from an early age with three mom as a scientist uh, into just an atypical thought pattern, okay, which is on a higher level. And then we know that you love healthcare. We know that you have an atypical approach to nutrition as a clinical nutritionist. How did you get there? What were the stepping stones? So you started at an early age with your mom, and here you are now. You, you know, we'll talk about live lean. We'll, we'll describe to everyone, you know. Your participation in that, your ownership in in kind of a co-owner, where did you, how did you get there? You know, going to have that advanced curriculum, that dual enrollment curriculum, I always knew that I kind of wanted to be a homeopathic or naturopathic physician, which requires a lot of education, a lot of studying, and a lot of atypical ways, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So I started the curriculum and things like that, and getting older through high school, graduation, continued on my education, and then... It just didn't pan out uh, the way I wanted to. You know, life got in the way. So I sought other methods to. Damn it, life. I know, right? You just, <laughs> you just, you go and you adapt and you kind of really take a step back and figure out what do you really want to do with the passion that you have. So that's kind of where I was at as a teenager. I got certified you know, personal trainer. I worked in gyms and I was a passion of mine. And then really from the nutrition aspect of it, it just made sense to me. It was, like I said, it yeah. is, as much as people have an affinity for algebra, the human body, I just see it in a different way. It just makes so much sense to me. And just having that exposure with my, my mom and the professors that she was with, a lot of them had that holistic approach. So not only did I watch her get counseled by them, but they would also, you know, like hang out with me because they thought it was cool to, she was bringing her four-year-old or, you know, six-year-old, whatever age I was to class. And I was just so engaged and so involved. And I was picking things up that college students were doing. So they were massively intrigued and motivated, um, you know, to, to teach as educators. So I went the Western medicine route because it's not, Eastern medicine is not really a prominent study, or at least it wasn't in that time where I was raised. So Mm -hmm. I started in the Western medicine, you know, I did nursing courses. 
That, that's um, a key point to bring up later. Yeah. We, we, we're going to camp out there for a second yeah. because you're absolutely right. How they just our way of Western medicine on a broken healthcare system. Right. 100%. Yeah. And we, we dove into that yeah. you know, last week pretty good. And some of the application that Eastern offers that could actually, we can learn from uh, in a more holistic approach. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't mean to interrupt you, but no. I, want, I definitely want to camp out on that topic. Point. I mean, it's a good point and something that we can definitely speculate hours, and weeks and months and years. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just the amount of information that I've learned just seeing it firsthand because I'm a very visual kind of hands-on kind of person. Just learning that um, and just seeing it for myself, it just created a higher level of resonance with me and just witnessing it. So when you got certified as a personal trainer mm-hmm. and you were working with people on the fitness side of things, mm-hmm. okay, you're, I picked up right away that your natural progression was to study nutrition and have nutrition a part of that fold. It was, 100%. What was the difference when you started that application into the people that you were serving as clients? But when you put in the nutrition portion of it, mm-hmm. what did you start to see? Well, the nutrition portion of it was always kind of prevalent for me. It was always, it kind of really happened before the certification of the personal trainer. I just, I always had like a natural inquiry to people's lifestyles. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I created my own niche in my career now is just a lifestyle interventionist. You know, I would always ask, okay, are you getting enough sleep? Are you getting enough water? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? Are you consuming this type of food? What, how, how many do you people feel? don't answer those own questions for themselves? Right. You sleep, you water. Mm-hmm. Did you have an argument this morning? Right, exactly. Right. It, you know, the, the emotional connection, holding on to the, the toxic and emotional experiences that we have and not allowing us to come to terms and accept and acknowledge and work through them. That's a big portion of it. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, to answer your question, I just that that's always kind of been at the forefront nutrition aspect of it and then the fitness has always been secondary to me it's it's still that way 17 years later so the more that we started putting more of the focus on their lifestyle habits and their nutrition um just whole wholesome nutrition you know just cutting out the fast foods cutting out the the energy drinks cutting out the crap pretty much yeah or overindulging, portion control, right? Right, just being the education behind uh, eat to nourish, mm-hmm. not eat for desire. I mean, that that's a fine line. That's a whole entirely different segment that we could expand upon. That's a great statement. Yeah, I never heard it that way before. Yeah, yeah. it's always I always heard of eat to fuel your body for what yeah. you're doing, if it, whether it's sports or if you, recreation or just your daily workout right but eat to nourish is eat to nourish is you know. it's a broad application, but it's very kind of minute mm-hmm. as well because nourish nourishing your body so nourish just means it encompasses everything in your life so nourishing for performance nourishing for your stress nourishing for your goals like weight loss health maintenance bone health muscle things like that so nourish your body it's an encompassing term and it's it really kind of goes through all avenues because there's different requirements of nourishment for whatever you're doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, but then there's the whole thing of, you know, the desire portion of it. Well, people say, oh, well, you know, I like to I eat. love my piece of chocolate. Right. I really do. Well, that's fine. You know, <laughs> chocolate is not bad. It, yeah. A piece of chocolate or a couple of pieces of chocolate is okay, but not the whole bag. Let's, let's have moderation and reasoning and also being accountable for their consumption, realizing how much energy that they will be expending. Right. Each day and how the nutrients really and the food that they consume relate to that energy because it's an energy source. It's a give and take. Yeah. So. What about you? How did you, mm-hmm. up until that point where you started really preaching, mm-hmm. were you 
already following those same guidelines yes. that you're talking about now? Right. Yes. So you knew and felt the benefits of the all difference. This. Yeah. yeah. You know, even as an athlete, I had coaches and professionals trying to help me to break through my performance because I knew something wasn't feeling right. And it just kind of boiled down to, I was shortchanging my metabolism for the expenditure. Mm-hmm. So as and a it, typical soccer practice is what? Yeah. Three hours, right? Yeah. Ish. It's a lot. It just depends. And a lot of the conditioning was done in the summer. I know Florida sports and I'll, I'll never for the life of me get used to it. The soccer season happens <laughs> any place <laughs> other than the fall. We did conditioning in the summer months, which can be really hot and really thick and muggy up yeah. there. But then our, our sport was mostly played in the fall where it was really cold. Well, my two daughters that you just met, they're in competitive softball. Okay. The prime of their season or the peak of their season is during the summer months. Oh, wow. The daughter who is closest to us, Addison, mm-hmm. uh, she's a catcher. Oh, wow. So she's, you know, she's really in a squatted position. Yeah, for, for sure. It's an hour and 15 minute game, I would say for at least 35 minutes minimum. Wow. That's it. Yeah. That's a big demand on those muscles. Yeah. And And they're playing at least three games on Saturday. And depending on how they rank and how the organization um, in the tournament set up, another at least three on Sunday. Now, they usually go back and forth. My point is you're justifying and quantifying, uh, nourishing your body, caloric intake, Mm -hmm. the balance, and then relating it back to an athlete. Uh, yeah. And I, I tell the, her coaches all the time, I'm like, you try squatting for 90 minutes straight. Go. It's a big demand. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. And then, you know, you have to have the the muscle and the electrolyte and the hydration support and you know, the tone of the muscle to the training because right. you're basically in a static position to where your muscles are going to burn out. So you need that support. And that comes from the foundational Part of this is nutrition. And the other thing, too, is just using that example as my daughter being the catcher. And my mind works similar like yours a little bit. I can actually put myself in that realm. So in a squatted position, their muscles start to fatigue and they tweak a little bit. And that's where you start getting static ligamentous or other soft tissue-based injuries because the muscles gave up, which dynamically they're there to support and perform. Right, because they get you know, fatigue, their glycogen stores get fatigued and then it turns into lactic acid and then the cycle goes back around again. So you and need the whole to, vicious cycle starts. Right. Yeah. It starts and if it doesn't have the nourish to replenish the glycogen stores and things like that, you know, massage is very helpful or just mm-hmm. simply getting up and shaking out your muscles or providing a downward massage. Ice. Our favorite word is ice. Yeah. Ice will take out the inflammation of it for mm-hmm. sure. But it just depends on if you're not getting the proper circulation, it's not going to circulate properly. So actually a downward massage, gentle massage of the muscle so it can drain out of the lymphatic system is more beneficial. But yeah, so I mean, icing, keeping the inflammation down so that your body doesn't kind of put up the walls so that you can't perform. Right. Um, but there's a lot of careful When we talk about perform, one of the things I like to highlight there, right, is not just perform in an athletic-based performance, but just your regular ADL, activities of daily living. Right. Just be able to walk down the street or walk down the stairs or walk up the stairs. Mm-hmm. When I ran the Boston Marathon, I'll, I'll never forget, I could not walk downstairs in a forward uh, fashion. Oh, I had to walk down backwards because <gasps> the eccentric load was crazy of and heartbreak kill. Oh, my goodness. I'll never forget it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I bet. That's, that's again, you know, with the marathon runners, the triathlons, they require a special level of nutrition because they are in high aerobic anaerobic zones most of their time through their training. And if they don't mm-hmm. have the proper fuel to get them through those zones, they're going to fatigue out and compromise and sleep mass. Yeah. When I ran, I was 230 pounds, I think. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I was heavy. Well, I was. Well, you're a tall guy. I was. Uh, that was kind of like my post um you know, collegiate 
career type mm-hmm. training to kind of like wean down. I was 245 playing college. And like, how do I lose this weight? How do I change my metabolism? Let's go run a marathon. Sounds yeah. good. <laughs> it was a thing. People underestimate the amount of training that goes into those sports to actually perform, you know, proficiently. Yeah, 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 it's, for sure. It's a lot of load <clears throat> on your body. Looking forward, uh, you are an operations partner mm-hmm. at Live Lean. Yes. Uh, I've been there. I saw the equipment. Uh, I had a, a, we spoke for it close to an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. First time we met each other. Mm-hmm. Conversation went well. Yes, I, I thought no, for, for sure. And, sure. uh, Going through, so there's two locations. There's one in Tampa, in down here in Boca Raton. Yes. Thank God. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I would have drove to Tampa, though, just so you no. know. The company focuses on metabolic assessment and individual success programs to wellness. Okay. Right. Some of the breakdown is your resting metabolic rate, your activities of daily living, your ADLs, exercise, et cetera. Again, you have an atypical approach. Why live lean? Why structure it that way? What's different and why is no one else trying to copy it or have other people start to copy it? And, and, and the reason why I'm getting to this point is when someone thinks of nutrition, it's, oh, have an egg in the morning with a piece of avocado and mm-hmm. just go exercise for 30 minutes. You're doing that to the upper echelon degree right. and you're really breaking things down. Walk us through like Live Lean and then why the approach this way? So there there are models out there in the country that do offer the metabolic assessment uh, services similar to what we have in both the facilities. But the missing component is the education and the actual analysis and the the in-depth analysis that goes on to really understand somebody's performance or metabolism or composition. I mean, they're interconnected. So each one of the services, they are interconnected and they are a reflection of each other. Mm-hmm. So that's what most of us in the industry have found just starting with a more simplified model of just the testing and then sending you out to professionals is that why not encompass the entire experience in our doors, but also still offer referrals out to the general public. So we, we work with professionals of all kinds. You know, I open my center up to physicians, other nutritionists, uh, registered dietitians, personal trainers, athletic trainers, pretty much anybody who's a health and wellness professional looking for that upper level knowledge of their, uh, an assessment of their client. They have access to the technology and I I can be as hands-on or hands-off as they want me to be. Obviously, if they're client comes in from a referring professional that offers kind of the same services and the analysis that I do, I stay out of it unless mm-hmm. asked to. And that's kind of, it's just more integrity. Do they find they're looking for your critique in your input? Yes. Yeah. Especially some of the personal trainers, because this is not, these assessments are not commonly taught. There's mm-hmm. probably a small paragraph about the DEXA scan and the resting metabolic rate analysis in exercise physiology books and sports medicine technology books. Um, but they don't really kind of expand upon it um, just because the DEXA was not commonly available to the public up until probably five or six years ago. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed that in, in some of the, the past, I, when I was reading about you, is it's now widely, well, yes. actually not widely, it's now in general public mode uh, yes. for the most part versus just athletes or private consultation. Right. And it's not been a secret. I mean, like I said, I've, I've known about the technology and actually seen the technology, worked with the technology from a very young age. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's 
meant for anti-aging medicine physicians, prestigious research facilities, and athletic performance facilities. Mm -hmm. So now what the concept does is it brings it to the community for access, proper assessment, counseling, education. There's like a resource. We can be as in-depth or superficial as you need us to be, depending on where the client comes from. If it comes from another professional who already has their system in place, great, we'll support you. Just use the technology to uh, get your clients the results that you want. If you need further education on any of the testing or what any of the data means or any further lifestyle assessment, well, I'm, I'm here for that too. That's another key word you just use, you have the data. Mm-hmm. That's something I broke down in the question list was, it's their personal health data, not healthcare, but their health data mm-hmm. based on where they presently are and where their goals are set for them. Right. And, and it's evolutionary. So as as people go through transformations, mm-hmm. whatever that may be, uh, whether it's fat loss, whether it's, um, you know, leaning out, muscle gain, bodybuilding, athletic performance, or just general health, you, health your metabolic health is evolutionary and metabolic encompasses your body composition, your metabolic rate, your cardio fitness, uh, your sleeping habits, you know, how you metabolize nutrients. So it's mm-hmm. a fully encompassing concept much deeper than just the data when someone's receiving or hearing about their data mm-hmm. and they try to justify it or and i'm just trying to piggyback on, on sure, that yeah. for a second what do they what do they think when they first get these results back are they shocked are they like i never knew is it eye-opening to them some of them yes it just depends on the assessment to be quite honest uh one of the most i would say common encounters that i have and <laughs> more myth-based encounters are middle-aged women who are overweight and maybe have had some struggles with their hormones or gone through the change and they think their metabolism is slow. That can be a more of a bigger myth. Really? No. Yeah. It's, it's basically about their lifestyle. And if they're creating that, if, are you causing your metabolism to not perform proficiently? What about women? I I hear this a lot. What about women who I need a nap every day? I I find it that three o'clock hour Mm -hmm. or the coffee break hour, I need that nap. Are you finding that also? That's pretty common, but it really depends. I know some healthy athletes who take a nap every day, and it's actually very, very beneficial. So what you're saying is we all need to take a nap every day for great health. Yes. There are some (laughs) countries that, you know, have designated nap times for that reason. It's just, you know, and you will see that those countries are healthier by far than Mm -hmm. the U.S., but they also have more strict stipulations on what their FDA will allow inside of the country as far as byproducts and and nutrients, too. But that's, that's probably another podcast. It's another deep rabbit hole to get down, get in. Going back to your question, like sometimes it's normal. Sometimes it's okay. It just depends on if you feel rested when you wake up. And it it depends on how you're feeling prior to that nap. If you're feeling like you actually need to shut down and take a nap, then there's probably something up. You're probably not eating balanced. You're probably not getting enough hydration. You're probably too sedentary. Um, There's a lot of different things that go into that. Yeah, right, right. Breaking this down a little bit further. So if someone was to walk into the facility, what do they think they're going to get? from Live Lean or the DEXA and all the different other modalities that you have in there. We, I know it's a little bit down the list here, but we will get to them. What are they looking for and why are they going to you? Because they're the reason. Because, again, you're an atypical approach, and I think you're a very sound approach. Because most people don't know what's – how many times have you heard, I went to a doctor, they didn't know what was wrong? 100% of my day. Right. Uh, it's really sad. But you can start yeah. breaking it down because you're getting the health data from these folks and say, hey – I think we pinpoint these areas. Right. Is that what they're looking for is 
what, what their goals are? Yes. The general consensus, yes. A lot of clients who come through our doors are the more data-minded, more um, invested in their health type person. Now, we do get the rare instance of somebody seeing it on like a website or social media and they're curious and it just seems like a good idea. Some Some people are not really truly invested in making the changes, mm-hmm. um, but they are curious. So sometimes it does does work out beneficially long term for them and sometimes it doesn't sometimes they just don't have the mindset and they're they're not willing to work on the mindset Mm -hmm. so that's a big portion of it in general people come into the facilities uh you know my website is very informative there's a lot of literature on it for the person who takes the time to read it Mm -hmm. um and understanding the the application of the test and why it's going to help Um, but a lot of times people are still making that disconnect if they don't really understand in translation of how it's multi-level beneficial using when do they have that connection when they finally realize oh now i get it and they they go through all different modalities and then your explanation and then the breakdown when do they start seeing not not much a result that's too much of an easy word to use but their report their Their metabolic report yeah the consultation process of it so Mm -hmm. if somebody comes in and they have all three tests. We go through and I answer questions at the end of it. I go through the resting metabolic rate and the VO2 max, the DEXA I'm not really allowed to disclose on the day of the appointment, but the their medical record that they get, their report that they get is very self-explanatory. Now, who does the review on the DEXA? My medical director, he's required by state of Florida law to provide commentary on a digital dashboard. People can ask me basic questions, you know, about the terminology, but I'm just not legally allowed to read the data on the report to them because I'm not a physician. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to change that. And if anybody listening wants to help me with that, I would be grateful <laughs> <laughs> because it's been a really long battle and it's a really dumb one. Yeah. But, you know, other states, it's, it's different state to state because it is, uh, it, it does involve a low level of radiation. It's an x-ray. They want to put me in diagnostic when I am not. I'm a mere screening tool. It's an imaging technique. So we go through, you know, if they have any questions about it. And then the, after the physician provides his sign off on it, then I can go and directly address things as the physician is recommended. With the resting metabolic rate and the VO2, I mean, those are probably... Two of the biggest educational points, especially the resting metabolic rate, because that centers around your metabolic expenditure. Um, There are a lot of equations out there that you can do online that kind of gets you in the range, but sometimes it's really subpar Mm -hmm. uh, to what you actually need. So really just kind of diving into the science and what it means, the expenditure, how it affects your metabolism, how your lifestyle affects your metabolism. You just see the light bulb go on in some people's heads. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a why. And in the healthcare profession, I find most people have something happen, either traumatic or they just have this yearning desire to help other people. And my personal case is I have a really strong passion for design and detail uh, and going through making sure that everything is complete from A to Z. You know the other segment of my mm-hmm. business and the yeah. consultation portion Absolutely. of it. What's your why? Why do you do this? Because I've been where you are, okay? Uh, when I first came out of college, I was a personal trainer for a little while. And it can get really frustrating, honestly, if you're dealing with people who are not accountable to themselves. Right. Why are you doing it this way? And what keeps you going day to day when you wake up and saying, hey, I'm going to make an impact? I've seen some of my results, so I, that's my why. I know what I'm going to be able to do long term. But what's some of the stories that have driven you to your why? Well, before I get to that, I want to just touch back on what you just said about 
you know, being a personal trainer and uh, struggling with your client accountability, you're always going to have that in any profession. And that's an understatement. Right. And especially in the medical field, you know, that's that is why there are certain protocols, quote unquote, in place in Western medicine kind of keep the client or the patient from hurting themselves even more. Sure. The thing is compliance, yeah. right? It's a hundred percent compliance. You can teach somebody, you can give them the skills, but at the end of the day, you have to comply. I call that the education and the execution portion of my success acronym that I use in my practice. So okay. the professional education is provided to the client and it's up for up to the client to execute those teachings. And so they're a, a stepping stone to I don't know how many life coaches I've seen on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. on Facebook. If you have people who come in as clients, how do you get them to be accountable? What are your milestones that you make them go through? There has to be something. Yeah. Well, know? there are. Everybody's different. You just it's it all comes down to the that assessment. That drives me crazy sometimes. Oh, it's like same. God, good lord! It's like just yeah. wake up and do it for you. And not well, everyone gets you have that. to find something tangible that really kind of hits them in the feels. You know, you have to find something mm-hmm. in their lifestyle or their what's happened to them in the past or unearth some kind of emotion that they're suppressing what i said way earlier in the in this broadcast about addressing um, your emotions and your struggles i actually call that addressing your elephants so address your elephants because there's an elephant in the room right Mm -hmm. um most times this elephant is invisible to everybody else but you but that you can't hide an elephant because of its size and over time that elephant will just get harder and harder to hide or it'll expose itself well, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So it'll get harder and harder to hide and it will eventually come to the forefront to where it's spiraling out of control, whether that be. So are you really a shrink? Yes. <laughs> well, that's part of my career is I spent six years in psychiatric research. Oh, I so, didn't know that. Oh my yes, gosh. No, okay. I'm, I've been clinically trained in psychology. Oh, all right. So, so I now I know it makes full circle for me. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So when, when people, you know, as much as I love the whole, um, kind of premise behind the life coaching and what it represents it's just way too much of a term that's been thrown around and people are really not i get you all right so let me ask you this then so how much of the brain give me a statistical number uh, or or tell me just your personal experiences interferes on your day-to-day 100 percent Oh, okay. 100%. 100%. It's not even a split. Nope. Mm-mm, because we can make our own choices. Yeah, right. You know, you can make that choice to drive through the the drive through at Starbucks or you can make your coffee at home. You know, or you can make that choice to go through Chick-fil-A or you can go and make a healthier choice and, and build your own meal at Whole Foods or something like that. Or you can make it at home. Okay. Let's, let's wrap these three up. So yes. fitness... Mm-hmm. nutrition yes. and mental. Okay. All three of those. Uh-huh. What is the most common excuse you hear people talk about and why? How do they justify it? In their head? I don't have time. I'm, I, you almost completely pivoted me on this topic because I, <laughs> I love brain talk. Yeah. Most of the podcasts and YouTube videos are not motivational. It's why people do what they do. Sure. This morning, uh, Simon Sinek, Okay. A big TEDx, TEDx uh-huh. talker, et cetera. He talked about, you know, what makes an alpha person. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I wasn't looking there for an alpha. I wanted to hear the justification for it. Sure. And he literally, out of a, I think it was a nine, 10 minute clip or whatever it was, he summed it up in 20 seconds midway through. The alpha, as much benefits as they receive, if they're not willing to give up everything 
mm-hmm. they shouldn't be the alpha. Exactly. Period. So going back to the triple question is throughout you, what are the common mindset they, they kind of convince themselves up every day? Oh, you know, in in the justifications to it, because I think that's the root of everything. One hundred percent, and it's it's different from person to person, but I would say across the board is I don't have time. I've tried everything and it doesn't work. Uh, you know, those that's the, a common one. You hear that one hundred percent. Yeah, and you know, the, nine times out of ten, if I go back and I evaluate the things that they have tried, I find complete fallacies, and I'm like, okay, well, this worked. This didn't work because of this, and this, you know, worked for a little bit because of this, and you're just not grasping the concept of anything and that that mostly comes from fad dieting following trends and things like that if you actually take the time to learn the science behind your individual metabolism through that resting metabolic rate analysis service that i have you're going to have that with you for life as long as you're 100 percent invested in learning okay so let me let me restructure yeah. us a little bit sure, here yeah. because there's a bunch of little sidebar topics that are yeah. just we, i went we, down a different rabbit hole so. no it's okay because <laughs> we, we need to right so let's jump to the modalities real quick. Sure. So there's the DEXA, which is a dual energy X-ray uh, absorptometry. Did I say Absorb-tiometry. that right? Absorptiometry. Yes. Scan. Then there is the rested metabolic rate analysis, yes. VO2 max, and then the FIT 3D. Yes. Give a quick glance over every one of those, what they do. Okay. Let's quickly get back to the head case stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a huge portion of it. Because where where I'm kind of how my brain is wired and where this is going is they're going to hear and see the results of those yes. those studies in the test results. Yes. I want to know about how they're justifying or not justifying or giving the excuses to sure. that because that data on their personal health data right is not going to lie. No, it's tangible and that's kind of the breaking point for a lot of people when they come in to actually see the damage that they've been doing to themselves maybe it's because of an unrecognized eating disorder whether that be binge or restrictive or somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um and identifying them as addictive behaviors and actually connecting the dots to other things in their lifestyle that become addictive like online shopping or like habitual manners, behaviors, things like that. Wow. You just went into another whole other category with behavioral health. Yes. Wow. So I, like I said, my going back to, you know, the beginning of the podcast when we were talking a little bit about, you know, like my education and stuff like that. I mean, it's very eclectic and you probably don't have the time. So that I take a little bit, (laughs) I take a little bit from every place that I've learned because I did a lot of apprenticeships, a lot of, you know, sought out a lot of mentors for my own knowledge from different aspects of it because I didn't want to be black white i wanted to be shades of gray and i wanted to get different perspectives from different professionals in the industry all different industries to kind of build the career that i wanted um so anyway going back to the modalities the dexa scan dual energy x-ray absorptiometry it is uh, a bone densitometer by trade so what that means is somebody who you know hits a certain age usually in their 60s and up uh, mostly women will get uh, an order from our, a DEXA scan from their physician to check their bone density or the strength of their bones because at, at certain points, because of hormonal changes and lifestyle changes, um, it does change. So the you stop me at every second. I'm like, okay, because I'm, I'm thinking real quick. I'm like, okay, what can women do before they're sixty? Oh, for that's example? that's an entirely different program that I have. I have yeah. a specialized bone density and um, kind of like turn turn of events lifestyle program built for that. This is going towards the osteoporosis 
talking point and, and talking items, right? Yes, but also prevention. And actually, it starts way earlier. Screening needs to start in the mid-20s. Really? 100%. Why is that? Different demographics, um, different ethnicities, the way that they're raised, where they are born, different parts of the, the, the world, you know, they have certain... Um, Let me ask you a quick question. Mm-hmm. Does gestation, when yes. they're in the belly, sure. did that affect... Absolutely. If yeah. somebody, you know, if somebody's mom had gestational diabetes, they're going to have, they could be predisposed to some disorders down the line oh, okay. and shortcomings and things like that. Hormonal issues, regulation, thyroid, endocrine, everything. It's and all Western medicine, going back to that topic real quick, is right. not, I want to say pushing, but they're not recommending no. the skin at mid-20s no they're not and it's it's a very small statistic of the of the clients who actually require it uh, but definitely it goes back to the whole western medicine side of things of dismissing lifestyle analysis and this is because and i know that a lot of medical professionals who have been on the podcast and anybody in general will agree with me Mm. you don't have the time in western medicine especially if you're an insurance-based facility because it's all about time it's Mm -hmm. all about turnover, uh, revenue, things like that. So you actually don't have the time to counsel. And I know some, sorry, Western medicine physicians who want to counsel, they just don't have the time because they are under strict um, time constraints per patient because their load is so high. I became really good friends recently with uh, a colorectal Mm -hmm. physician. Yeah. And he, he completely just echoed exactly what you just said. He goes, we don't have the time. And some some of the uh, feedback that he's received is he's not paying attention to me. He mm-hmm. doesn't care. But they're not looking at, at the other side of it. No, he has not. to write accurate notes. He needs to make sure there's proper follow-up. Right. He needs to make sure that there's proper recommendations. It's extensive. Yeah. The paperwork it, outweighs the patient interaction yeah, in Western Yeah, that's medicine. exactly what he said. He yeah. says the paperwork takes, for example, 15 minutes when meeting with the actual right. You know, patient is yeah. five minutes of that. One hundred percent, and it's sad because there's a lot and that's of a small right? percentage. There's there's a lot of things that could be easily picked up on with the extended evaluation. Yeah, right. Yeah, just yeah. interview questions that they don't have time to ask. Right now, they're trying to bridge the gap with physician assistants and nurse practitioners, which I think is good because the PAs and the NPs are actually a little bit more attentive because mm-hmm. they have more time. But the demand on the actual physician is so great. That's that where artificial intelligence and data aggregation is going to come into big mm-hmm. play here. Because right. Um, right now, majority of the time, we're not really filling out those, I want to say pre-meeting, but what's the word I'm looking like for? pre-assessment. So, yeah, like a pre-assessment like a assessment. Um, or your notes right. on you, especially when you go visit a new doctor. Right. Okay. They ask standard questions. Yeah. So you go in there 15 minutes early, you write it down. Yeah. They're not reading that before you no. have your patient visit. The nurse reads it yeah. or the medical assistant or whoever. But, um, if, but if AI was applied to that right. and it was digitized mm-hmm. on an iPad or whatever, just a, some kind of a tablet or, or a quick laptop, then the AI can pick something up. That's a red flag. Set up a red flag identifier, yeah, right. right? And so now... Oh, I saw this, and it pops up automatically right in right. front of their screen. So going back to that and using the DEXA for early screening, if somebody has been a smoker since they were 16 years old and they're only 35, they are more at risk for osteoporosis, osteopenia because of that exposure to nicotine and the smoke uh, depriving their their body of oxygen, basically because it literally kind of puts tar in the lungs mm-hmm. and when your body can't absorb oxygen it can't get to the proper places for organ function and bones right. being one of those that would be but they're not taught that in western medicine they're not taught 
they have to fit in the box yeah. uh, according to assessment. And I've seen it. I mean, I've done Medicare physicals on patients and it has taken me two hours wow. per patient. Yeah. I was dead by the time I got done with my day. And it's just some tedious stuff, you know, that I was doing. And the doctor didn't even see the patient for more than five And for minutes. you, going back to what you said earlier, yeah. you have to be challenged. Yeah. And so you're probably bored out of your wits by the time the day is over. Yes and no. I mean, there's a, with, for example, for Medi- Medicare physicals, it's a lot of work. So you don't really have time to be bored. It's just fast, fast, fast. And it's just worry, um, all about creating a s- efficient processes, which I did come up with with my team. You know, we all kind of kind of turn them out. We would all have, there were five of us on the team and we would all say, okay, you have this, these three, you have these three, you have these three. Mm-hmm. And the, and the funnel goes like this. So creating more efficient processes to get them through faster. So that was another thing. I'm already irritated on that because it's like yeah. what you just said, how do you get them through faster? Yeah. Not more efficiently and effectively. Right. What a recommendation at the end of it. That's right. really it has me. It has good and bad because, you know, everybody has a job. So they're more focal. They're more focal to that. Okay. So instead of three or instead of 10 jobs a person has, they only t- pare it down to three. So they'll be more attentive. Mm-hmm. So especially for the ankle brachial index, which is basically just a vascular ultrasound on the ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, that that needs to be done, executed correctly with the correct amount of pressure to listen for the, the pulse points and things like that. So sometimes if you're rushing and you don't actually correct um, record the correct data or execute it properly. So in terms of workflow, it's actually beneficial, but it is the, the patient experience with a practitioner is highly diminished. Yeah. So the DEXA. Yes. I know we talked about and what it means for women. And this is how we went down that rabbit right, hole right, too, yes. <laughs> is preventing osteoporosis in the scans. The DEXA will help. The de- yeah, the DEXA does provide a cumulative study from your head to your feet about your bone density health, the total bone strength of it. So it does give a bi-region grams per centimeter squared evaluation of the bone mineral density. Uh, but that the uh, the total average provided on the report is total from all areas. So it's by definition not considered a clinical screening um, for diagnosis because it's not your traditional AP mm. lumbar spine and dual femur analysis. Yep. Do we have the capabilities to do that? Yes, I do. Um, but it does require, uh, an outside prescription from the referring physician and my medical director has to approve it because we only do body composition or metabolic health screenings via, you know, looking for visceral fat or high subcutaneous fat, low bone mineral, um, sorry, low um, lean muscle mass, things like that. So we're looking more on the metabolic aspect of it. Yeah. So let me break this down real quick. So yeah. for those, I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. those who privy or really want to learn about advanced anatomy yeah. and physiology, like sure, like yeah. you and I know, what are they? What should they take out of that? Out of a DEXA scan? So the DEXA scan is six to yeah. eight minutes. Yeah, I'm sorry. In simple terms. Yeah. Yeah. So in six to eight minutes, the you'll lay on your back with your eyes closed. Um, the the scan arm uh, on the table will scan you from your head to your feet, and it will analyze tissue data. So the amount of lean mass, the amount of fat, and the amount of bone in each area as it goes. It goes very slowly, and a lot of clients feel like they're being Xerox copied into the computer. It's kind of it's actually <laughs> really funny because it does sound a lot like a, a Xerox copier. And the way I can that, see that looking, knowing what I saw last. Yeah, week. and the way that it moves, it, the scanner moves back and forth. Uh, it is very much a Xerox copier with radiation. But right. <laughs> um, so that information will provide the amount of lean mass 
mass, which is going to involve organ, blood, water, and skeletal muscle, um, fat, subcutaneous, and visceral. Visceral is the bad stuff. Can you have organs. false positives if someone didn't hydrate before they did the DEXA scan? You can. It's It has to be like a really severe amount of like margin. The DEXA is 99% accurate. Mm-hmm. So 1% to 2% is up to subject subject errors. Okay. Um. But yeah, so it's the most accurate. Or if someone had a bender the night before drinking. Right? Yeah, you I know, mean, those are some yes, things that people would right. do. So yeah, absolutely. But you know, we try to put it on our website and in our preparation. If they're not properly prepared, when I'm asking the questions before I put them on the scanner, because legally I have to do secondary verification just to make sure that there's you sure. know you know women aren't there's not a chance that a woman can be pregnant any other disorders that they may have that would do them harm by being exposed to this very minute amount of x-ray radiation, um, just doing due diligence pretty much. Right, right. Um, there's really no inclusion-exclusion <clears throat> criteria for the DEXA. Pretty much anybody can can do it. I mean, even in early gestation, it's not going to hurt the baby as much, but radiation is never a good idea. Yeah, sure, sure. Right? Sure. So, but it is a low amount. Um but yeah, definitely if somebody had, uh, you know, a belly bomb kind of meal like an hour before they came in, we, we usually tell people to avoid things like that and, and repeat your practices according to what you did at baseline. So your very first scan. So be properly hydrated, not overhydrated. Uh, don't have anything, any large meals within two hours prior to your appointment. Try not to exercise heavily mm-hmm. right before your appointment, two hours before your appointment is satisfactory. Yeah. That's just number one out of four. <laughs> yeah. So the ne- next item that you look for is the RMR. So your rest yes. of metabolic rate. This is that's a big one. That's a deep one. Yeah. This is probably my one of my most favorite ones. Like just working um, working under a doctor of physical therapy with a heavy concentration in metabolic and rehab. Mm-hmm. Growing up, he did have one of those calorimeters in his office, so I learned it from a very early age, and it just made sense to me. Mm-hmm. I remember looking at the data before he even explained it to me. I was evaluating the gas exchange and the percentages and what it meant, and not knowing anything about. And I pretty much told him what it was. And he was like, that's astounding. I didn't tell you anything. You didn't have, you know, any, any literature to read. And and I was just like, I'm like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. So the oxygen and the the CO2 in our bodies have a caloric value per liter and it's put into an algorithm for a 24 hour total daily energy expenditure during rest, daily activities and 30 minutes of moderate exercise. But it can also tell us a little bit about our metabolism speed because of those concentrations. Mm -hmm. See the amount of oxygen our body is using, the more oxygen we use, the more calories we burn. And then the respiratory exchange rate tells us if we're burning more sugar or more fat in a fasted state again with the oxygen utilization. So Mm -hmm. there it's a multifaceted assessment. Mm -hmm. that tells me a lot but what i actually counsel the client on is very superficial Mm -hmm. it's very iceberg tip but you know where to guide them so that tells me okay so i can literally without any asking anybody about their lifestyle from that report if i were to just walk into a facility and see the report i would ask them five questions it would be dead on and their jaws would drop. I do it all the time. Okay. So out of the four tests, and I know we still haven't mentioned two of them, right. the RMR is the most important, it sounds like. Uh, yes. You know, in terms of just going back to what we talked about earlier about the middle-aged woman thinking their metabolism is slow, it's really not. You're probably just not eating enough to service your minimum, which is your resting metabolic rate. 
Mm-hmm. So when you shortchange your metabolic resting metabolic rate, which is the amount of calories your body burns just to function your vital organs every day in 24 hours. So that, that's a common stigma. 100%. In health and fitness and in yes. just healthcare in general is if I eat less, I'll burn more fat. I'll right. do X, Y, and Z to follow blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It couldn't be further from the truth. You need right. proper caloric intake. Right. You need the right types of caloric mm-hmm. um, for nutrients to serve your body the way it needs to be served. Yeah. And And this is its own rabbit hole in itself. I could go on for hours about the kind of like the misnomers and everything that everybody um, creates around like the metabolism and, you know, the high fat saturated diets and burning a hundred percent fat of their body stores and how, but it's all about how you need fat in your body. I mean, you do. It's It's an essential nutrient for sure for a lot of things, but everything in balance. Right. And, for people in society, it's usually if you want to lose weight, what do you do? You got to hit the cardio machines and you got to restrict your calories and cut out carbs. Are you mm-hmm. – let me go to a similar topic, small detail. Are you a big proponent of females focusing on more muscle development? Not yes. weight, but muscle development yes. over cardio? 100%. Yeah, okay. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Functional training is – so important, yeah. um, especially as we age, because we lose muscle tone naturally with the aging and the chemical changes that are going on. We can preserve the lean mass that we have starting at an earlier age with proper interventions. And yeah. one of that, you know, Mike Boyle, is, right? Yes. Okay. So M- Mike Boyle, uh, when I was up in Northeastern University, was one of my educators. So I actually trained with him for a short period of time, and he functional training. Uh, he was the one with uh, Juan Carlos Santana and all those guys who started that whole yeah, push. Yeah, yeah. JC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he used to live down here too. I, he does. Yeah. Well, I thought he did. I thought he moved out. I don't know. I haven't seen him in years. I don't know. I haven't seen him in years either. But yeah. I, Since they went into the healthcare business. Super smart guys. Yeah. No. I, yeah. Yeah. I see him every once in a while on Instagram. That's like kind of how I know JC's <laughs> what he's doing. But yeah, yeah, I haven't really seen him. Uh, but I but anyways, going back to Mike and that topic point about yeah. Most females, not all, most females are worried about getting too bulky or muscles and and just just a whole misconception about that. And one of my neighbors, she was at our our community gym and she was like, just cardioing and up. Oh, man. And I'm like, get on the weights a little bit, you know, and yeah, I'm afraid of this. I'm like, look, at rest, your muscles are what gobbles up all the bad stuff. Right. Keep it simple. Get on the weights. It's okay. It's not that big of a deal. I said, but do it in a functional way. Yeah. Where, and this is where I learned from those guys of functional movement patterns. And if you're putting a kid into a car, I'll never forget this example, and you're rotated leaning Mm -hmm. in an off-balance isometric type of position. Yes. Okay. You should do that over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Because that's how you're going to prevent hurting your back or popping that disc. Training the muscles. Right, exactly. Conditioning the muscles for the movements that you do every day. Mm -hmm. And activating the right kind of muscles. You know, a lot of people don't engage their spine when they do twists. Right. You know, and their their abdominal muscles, they don't bring their navel navel to spine. And that's the most important thing. You need to focus on your core. Mike was talking about before, he goes, lie on your back, close Mm -hmm. your eyes, bend your knees. And imagine someone has a fish in mind string from your back going up to your belly button and pull it down. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) It it created a good visual, though, and you won't forget it. And never forget it. And uh, just that activation of the transverse abdominus. Yes, absolutely. It was amazing. Right. And uh, when you try to teach that, Mm -hmm. you get the same, what the hell is that? But I get. Just trust me. Take a deep breath in, suck your stomach in, and then. That's cool. Yeah. The third item 
is a VO2 max, cardio fitness, uh, oxygenation, tissue yeah. cells. Oxygen uh, uptake study pretty much is yeah. what it is. So uh, in layman's terms, it's a five to seven minute fitness test. I can do it walking, running, or cycling. You have a mask on your face that restricts the room air for about 5%. It's called the Hans Rudolph apparatus, but mm. it, it creates like a hypoxic state to max you quicker. So that way you're not running forever to reach your That's actual That's a great aerobic. Instagram picture right there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> with someone going in there taking with the mask on. I know yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah. So we're creating that hypoxic environment sooner so that we don't, you know, spend hours running on the treadmill and, you know, it's just, it's more efficient and we can right. get our, to our zones a lot faster. So mm-hmm. we can divi- uh, def- define somebody's target heart rate uh, and their fat burning aerobic and anaerobic states, as well as the calories burnt in each state and the amount of oxygen used. So we're looking at the oxygen uptake sto- score, which is their VO2 max, you know, the amount of oxygen that your body uses during exercise before hitting the anaerobe or the part where you stop utilizing oxygen mm-hmm. and creating pyruvate. So what's pyruvate? It's lactic acid. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I, I do. I, I want, I want, so lactic yes. acid is the, the trash you put yes. into the trash can that right. your bodies need to now get rid of. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So basically if, uh, for those of you who are listening, if you're really going through a really heavy workout and you feel like it's harder to breathe, that is when you hit your threshold. Yeah. That's what it feels like. So we take people through this assessment to define uh, their target heart rate zones. And this is really helpful for um, heart heart rate based training, like Orange Theory and things like that. Yeah. Um, That's the baseline of their success, too, by the way. I know. But that's another rabbit hole. But um, (laughs) (laughs) so anyway, knowing time you have today. (laughs) I mean, I can clear my schedule for sure. And we can create probably 15 podcasts from these conversations. But the um, the VO2 max is very beneficial because a lot of people overtax their bodies and they undernourish and they're just not conditioning properly and they're not working efficiently. Mm -hmm. I can tell you From personal and professional experience, I have taken people down from exercising five days a week to two and have them focus 98% on their nutrition every day and 2% exercise. They have greater success than somebody beating the brakes off The 90-10 rule, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it works. You know, my method, uh, we talked about this. But don't forget about the mental clarity portion of it. That's, for me, that's a big one. Yeah. Is when I am, when I do exercise, the first thing I do is in the morning. Okay. Okay. And it really does help with just mental clarity and getting Mm -hmm. moving around. Not even just like getting your blood moving and stuff like that. I'm just talking about just you're in an environment that's not where someone's pinging you all day. We have a lot of external stressors now. Everyone knows that, especially with the computer in your pocket all day. Yeah. That I can shut off my notifications, put my music on, uh, listen to something I want to educate myself with. So I'm controlling my content too, Mm -hmm. that I'm. I'm feeding myself with every day. Exactly. And I, I think that's a strong term. But that mental clarity in the morning with exercising every day. So you finding, and this is, goes back into your, your last uh, point, if you're reducing someone's workouts from five to two, is it also, I, I guess, justifying their, their mental need as well? And it's yeah. contributing back it's, to that? It's a holistic approach. So everybody's going to be different. I see a lot of women that come in and, or men for that matter. And they're like, I feel like I'm so lazy and not doing anything if I'm not moving seven days a week. While well, your sure. body reco- requires recovery. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have recovery. Then it's not going to stimulate the cycle of ghrelin and leptin. 
So those are two very important home hormones that you need to make gains and losses, right? And to recycle your total body health. It's also yeah. going to keep your cortisol way high, which is going to keep your glucose way high. Yeah. Um, and, and, and relative speaking. So it may be, it may actually cause you to gain weight or hold on to weight because your body's like, oh my God, what is going on? I'm freaking out, you know, way too demand, not enough nutrients, things like that. I need a break. It's basically how you feel when you've had a really stressful day at work and somebody, maybe your spouse wants to yap in your ear about how you didn't take the trash out or whatever. And you're just like, okay, I'm done with you. There are some, uh, some alignments there with Arthur Jones and the HIIT training because they only worked out, their recommendations were exercising twice a week, yeah. but to max there is some method behind that, and not everybody's fit for it. Right. Obviously, somebody who's led a sedentary lifestyle mm -hmm. coming straight to that would probably be a really bad idea. Yeah. So Arthur Jones, real quick, and I'm trying to coach myself to make sure I explain everything well. Not everyone knows who Arthur Jones was, right. but he was the principal architect behind Nautilus, the Nautilus mm -hmm. machines. Yeah. And there was a um, what they call like a hit training, so high intensity interval training, where they would go through a segment of ten to fifteen exercise machines to hit all uh, range of motion movement patterns and to make sure they maxed out those movement patterns. And they would do it twice a week, uh, maximum, sometimes once a week. Mm -hmm. And then you see these tremendous gains. I just had a, a light bulb moment okay. when you talked about bringing someone down from five to two. Mm -hmm. And what you just did, and I didn't realize this myself, you're reducing their stress already because there's less of a daily commitment out right. of the out of the gate. Right. Whether they work out in the morning or in the afternoon. More sleep. Right. You're completely focused already. And this is just from this conversation already yeah, yeah. on solely nutrition, focused, workout to the degrees and the recommendations based on uh, the data that your your body's producing and yeah. what you should focus on. With more sleep and more rest and more balance. Right. The, the key word Am there right is balance. 100%. The yeah. key word there that you said is balance. Mm -hmm. Everything has to have a balance. Your nutrition has to have a balance. But it goes back to what I was saying before is, you know, you have to nourish for your expenditures too. Yeah. That's why, you know, some people, if they eat the same amount of calories and the same amount of macronutrient balance, you know, for months on end, they hit a wall. And then they, they actually restrict instead of go the other way, increase yeah. calories when you're supposed to do that after a period of loss. Or maybe they'll hit a a wall a lot sooner and get frustrated and up the ante in their workouts and then they just stop altogether because they're frustrated and not getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the most common things that through education from these assessments, I have transformed a lot of people's way of thinking and um, they still um, – to this day, even if I worked with them 10 years ago, they, they still remember what I taught them. And they're, you know, they're still practicing those principles whenever they fall off their wagon because everybody falls off their wagon yeah, every once in sure. a while. Yeah, it's yeah. just human nature. And you know what? You have to enjoy life. But also the biggest part of that is a mental thing about being accountable to yourself. You know, we I get a lot of people coming in that says, oh, well, you know, I've been tracking calories or, or trainers. You know, they're like, I know what it looks like. And I'm like, do you, though? Because even as a nutritionist, when I have a goal and when I want to cut, I still measure everything to the gram on the nose, portion it out because nine times out of 10, I did it the other day because hmm. I, I just noticed some, some things about my body. I'm like, okay, I'm looking a little flat. You know, I don't think that I'm actually visually getting enough That's calories. A perfect segue into the last one. Yeah. Last one. Right. So. Yeah. I measured it out. I'm like, I was 100% shortchanging myself the entire week. 
Wow. Okay. Based on that. But I know that because A, I'm a professional, but B, I pay attention. You have to, a lot of people are afraid to kind of give themselves a reality check because it's uncomfortable. We don't like to feel like a failure. It goes back to that word accountability. Right. You know, people have a, and this is a whole entirely different educational seminar that I give to people about failure, like being open to failure and actually accepting failure and learning to love failure because failure can teach you lessons. Sure. Going forward, if yeah. you're receptive to to make the changes and, and willing to make the changes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it it boils down to that. So the last one you talked about was fit 3D, yeah, the laser measurement scan, right? Forward posture, and what really highlights to me because I'm always thinking about back injury. Yes. So if your cervical spine is not lordotic or lordosis yes. versus your lumbar is not lordosis, mm-hmm. you can pick up on that. So you yes. go as a precursor, not only just for Body composition and body uh, awareness as mm-hmm. far as like your posture and right. where it's, what it's going to cause orthopedically to you. But you can pr- kind of, in a way, kind of predetermine insult to injury. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So you can pick up, you know, kyphosis or the rounding of the back. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's common. That's the hunchback old lady yes. at 80 years old. Right. But a lot of we're seeing it more prevalent, actually, more now in our youth because of text neck and things like that. They're just constantly. That's really a thing, huh? Yeah, the hundred percent. Yeah. Being more aware of that and actually, uh, you know, as athletic trainers that, you know, our kids are, are in sports and everything, being aware of that. And if you see the round shoulders correcting their posture, giving them exercises or stretches to do every day that will actually get the, the muscles and the, and the spinal column in sync to correct it early so that they're not hunched over by 30 degrees when they're 40. So the Fit3D laser scan is a 3D infrared uh, camera imaging system that has a spinning base that spins you 360 as you hold still. And the laser camera goes up and down and scans you in many planes, creating a 3D model of your body. It's not an avatar, it's you. So it also does inch um, or circumference girth measurements from your neck to your ankles in about 40 seconds. But during that time, it's evaluating your posture too, front, back, side to side, and your balance because it does have a balance plate in the bottom of it. Mm -hmm. So it is very sophisticated for the 40 seconds that it's running. Which is another rabbit hole you can talk about. Yes, absolutely. But it's very very beneficial, um, not just from like a weight loss standpoint, but uh, recompositioning for bodybuilders. You know, sometimes they'll get frustrated because they're not quote-unquote cutting the weight like they want there's a lot of bodybuilders down here by the way yeah there are yeah there are uh but you know they are athletes it's an additional metric it doesn't have um any radiation so i actually encourage people especially you know like the weight loss clients to come in every month and have their have their inches you know taken and their posture and um analyzed by the fit 3d laser scan in between their dexes so that way it keeps them accountable and keeps them off their ledge uh, mm-hmm. in terms of abusing the scale because scale abuse is real. Yeah. Um, you should only be weighing yourself once a week, you know, and it should be very baseline, you really? know, for example, yeah, for the weekend, like most people fall off on the weekend, weigh yourself on Friday <clears throat> because this is going to motivate you to stay on track, especially if you're seeing the the transitions that you want to make, say that you're like a half a pound down or something like that, or maybe the clothing is looser. A lot of people use their scale as their only metric because it's cheap and it's accessible. Sure. Yeah, I can agree with that. Right. So, but there's a, there's an unhealthy mental obsession with the scale and how it relates to body composition. You can actually. It's been a while too, that that kind of the facade of the scale. Yes. That it directly raises success. The societal pressure of being a certain weight, shape, look, you know, versus 
we tell our girls, mm-hmm. be healthy. Exactly. Yeah, just don't worry about all the other... Right. Can't let a number define you. I wanted to take a minute to thank everyone for joining us today on Healthcare 360. It was my honor to have on the show my friend, Ms. Heather Wright, to talk about her professional healthcare experiences as a holistic nutritionist and her company, Live Lean. If you like Healthcare 360 and enjoyed the conversation, please share this podcast and give us a review. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you enjoy listening. If you want the conversation to continue, you can find us on Twitter at hc360podcast or healthcareturnkey.com. Thanks again. This is Scott Burgess with Healthcare 360. See you next time.